Hello, and welcome to When They Popped. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Mary. Happy New Year, and <laughs> welcome to 2024. Mary, how was your new year? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. How was yours? <laughs> oh, same, 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 same. Have you heard of Rot Week, Mary? No. So I have dubbed it Rot Week. Technically, it's evolved from Rot Day. You know those days where like you don't leave the couch. You're just kind of rotting oh, on the yes. couch, watching Netflix, whatever. So Rot Week is the week between Christmas and New Year's where like no one knows what day it is. Like work yes. is closed or really slow. Rot Week was efficient. I spent it preparing for Cancun because now it's the year of Cancun, finally. Oh my God, the year of Cancun. It's three and a half months away now, basically. I got to stop eating chips. Jesus. No, we eat chips in Cancun. We eat chips in Cancun and we eat chips leading up to Cancun because we're (laughs) going to need the salt to make sure no one faints this time. Anyways, we're welcoming the new year by going back 20 years to look at the Billboard year and Hot 100 singles of the year 2005. You know, everyone likes to start a fresh new year by looking back 20, especially here on when they popped. In case you're new, (laughs) we don't leave the early 2000s. Well, in case you didn't know, the Billboard Hot 100 is a chart that ranks the best performing singles of the US. We probably could have done 2004, so it would have been like exactly 20 years later, but that takes a lot of admin. And frankly, (laughs) we're tired. So it's fine. Okay. We talk about the Billboard charts a lot because. Obviously, it's just like the best way to gauge how music is breaking through. But we often find ourselves mad at the Billboard charts because so many of our criminally underrated hits do not get that coveted number one spot. However, we're going to give Billboard a pass. 2005 was a fantastic year for music. So let us treat you to a waltz dash twerk down memory lane to recount the top 100 biggest hits of that year. And it wouldn't be an episode without the disclaimer. <laughs> Even though it's a new year, we have an old disclaimer that we don't own or claim to own the rights to the songs or performances in this episode. The purpose of these clips is for commentary and critique. Kels, you know how you said that like a lot of our favorites don't make that coveted number one spot? Prime yeah. example, Oops, I Did It Again never was number one. I'm not that What? Nope, it peaked at number nine. What? Like, just nine? imagine. Yes. And, like, just imagine all the songs. If that isn't number one, like, what the hell else is at number one? I don't think I Want It That Way was number one. I, want it that way. I don't think the Backstreet Boys have ever had a either. number one hit. I think it was number two. Yeah. So, but we like the charts, but we also take the charts with a grain of salt. Yeah, buy our criminally underrated hat in our merch shop. Visit <laughs> when they popped pot on Instagram. And if you feel the way we do, you need that hat. Should we get started with our countdown, Mary? We're going to start with the top 10. Yeah, and you're going to lead us off with number 10. Okay. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Okay, so to kick off our countdown, I want to begin by telling a story. This is the story of a girl named Lucky. This is a story about a girl named Lucky. Just kidding. It's a story of a girl named Kelsey, who never had a song about the color of her eyes growing up. The horror. Okay, I know this is like a really minor thing, but listen, it's hard to pretend that you're the main character of a song when they get a major feature like the color of your eyes wrong. Like, listen, we all wanted to be the main character of Brown Eyed Girl. girl. 
And what about Green Eyes by Coldplay? Like the most romantic song that I think my teenage self had literally ever heard. The green eyes, yeah, the spotlight shines upon you. So like, what about us girlies with green and brown eyes? You know, the in-betweeners. Well, here comes Kelly Clarkson with her hit single, Behind These Hazel Eyes. This is the second single from Kelly's second studio album, Breakaway, which came out in 2004. So this song was written by Kelly with the song's producers of one Max Martin who we love, and Dr. Luke, who we don't love. Anyways, in 2004, Kelly was collaborating with both of these producers. She flew to Sweden to collaborate with Oof. Max Martin. Mary, can you imagine going on a flight with the intention of meeting Max Martin in Sweden? That's like probably my interview dream. Like we get the invite to Sweden to do a destination podcast episode and like immerse ourselves in the studio with Max Martin who's working with someone like Ariana Grande or Britney's comeback. Like we'd be walking around Sweden like, oh my God, it's land of Max. And everyone would be like, who are these American idiots? (laughs) According to Dr. Luke, there's sort of like an interesting story behind how this song came about. So Behind These Hazel Eyes was sent to Kelly without any lyrics. They just had the music, the production, and it was part of an olive branch because they had just done Since You've Been Gone, which we'll talk about later, not to spoil anything, (laughs) but it's coming up. Everyone was so happy with Since You've Been Gone. But I guess there was some like miscommunication when they were all working together on Since You've Been Gone, where Kelly had written some lyrics. But Max and Dr. Luke didn't know that Kelly was working on her own lyrics and they had like already finished the song. So it sounds like maybe she might have been a little upset that her lyrics didn't make it into the final cut of the song. So when Behind These Hazel Eyes came around, Dr. Luke was like, we want to write this with her from the beginning. So that there's no like missed opportunity here to work together, but they were physically in really different places. She had just won American Idol. She was on tour. So she would email lyrics. They'd email back and forth. And Kelly later revealed that this song almost didn't make it onto her album, which is, I can't, I mean, I can't imagine an album without it. Like that's what I'm saying. She said that it had different lyrics in the beginning, which some people speculate is because she was in a happy relationship when she first wrote the song. And as we know, this is the breakup anthem of our time. So she ended up calling Dr. Luke. They did like a totally different song. And I guess there's some theories out there that after Kelly went through a breakup, they went back and changed the lyrics. And from there, the ashes, a phoenix rose. And that (sighs) is the bop that is behind these hazel eyes. And Kelly has said it's like one of her favorite songs on the record. And she said, crappy relationships make for a good song. Hmm. Which crappy relationship could she be referring to? Well, some critics speculate that this is about her breakup with David Hodges, who used to be an Evanescence. Oh, Bring me that. Bring me back. I can't wake up. Save me. Call my name and save me. Wake me up. 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 Wake me up.
quote, it says ex-member of Evanescence, so I don't think he's like even with the group anymore. So anyways, this song is a freaking bop. It peaked at number six on the Hot 100, but it stayed at the top 10 for 15 weeks. And this was a record for the longest time spent in the top 10 for a song that didn't hit the top five. Like you're like hovering right yeah. there, like really <laughs> close to the top, but people loved it. So yeah, that's our number 10 behind these hazel eyes. Any thoughts on this one? I mean, I love it. It got me through all my angsty, meaningless youth relationships. And uh, I wonder if this is a signature of Max and or Dr. Luke, because I feel like a lot of the songs they work on, there's just like a pivotal key change in the final chorus. Here I am. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I just hell yeah. Like, that's my favorite part. I love this song. What's not to like? Have like? you seen the music video? I'm sure I have. I just have no recollection of it. Okay, so I rewatched it and I was like, I don't remember any of this, like, ever from. Because really? I always think of Since You've Been Gone, the music video. Like, True. that's like the Kelly music video to me. So in this one, she's like getting ready to get married, basically. Oh. She's in like a wedding dress. Then there's like punk rock Kelly who's trying to tell bridal Kelly that like her fiance, her betrothed is but cheating on her with like a bridesmaid. It's very drama. I wonder if there's some life in art. You know, mm-hmm. truth is stranger than music video. <laughs> <laughs> Let's trademark that. <laughs> <laughs> Our next merch update. <laughs> you Our and next- I will be the sole purchasers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, Mary, that was number 10. What's number nine? Uh, what to do, baby boo? What to do, baby boo? Okay, not the right song, but the same group. I had to take this one because I was a pussycat doll girly growing up, so I had to take number nine on this list. Don't ya? Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Don't you wish your girlfriend was a freak like me? Don't you? Now, Hell yeah. this song was written by <laughs> Buster Rhymes and what? C- yes, and CeeLo Green. Wait, I did not know that. Well, you know, Busta has that rap on it. We want to play with a player girl and play on, trip out the Chanel and lead the lingerie on. Do you know CeeLo the rap? Green, though? I know. He's a sneaky producer, though. I feel like that man is in the studio, like silently cranking out hits, but who knows? He also produced this song. So the chorus of Doncha is a slightly modified interpolation of the chorus line sung by Sir Mix-a-Lot in a song he wrote called Swass in 1988. I've never heard it. Okay, well, people use that term now as to say that yes. their butt is sweaty. So I wonder if that's what the song is about. According to Sir Mixlot, the word swass originally was an inside joke with no meaning in itself. After the album's release, the word came to mean some wild ass silly shit. Oh, and now it means swamp ass. Yes. <laughs> Should we bring swass back in like the fun way and make some merch? <laughs> we can try, but people are going to think we're talking about the not fun way. <laughs> I mean, they both apply. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Don'tcha. So this song was actually originally recorded in 2004 by an artist named Tori Alamez, who was actually a backup singer for Outkast and was released as her debut single. Don't you wish your girlfriend was raw like me? Don't you wish your girlfriend was fun like me? Don't you? It had minor success, but 
Tori was unhappy with her label, Universal Records, and she gave up her rights to the song. It was then offered up to this up-and-coming girl group called the Pussycat Dolls. The girls recorded a new version of Docha with raps from Busta Rhymes and released it in 2005 as their lead single from their debut album, PCD. Oh my God, that album, PCT, I can just picture the, the cover with them all in a line, like Nicole's in the middle and all of them are kind of like surrounding her. Uh, iconic cover. Did you ever know like all their names? Like to me, there were so many of them. I never like knew anyone except like Nicole and that one girl who like was feuding with her. And there's that live performance where she like went well, off on her. There's Ashley, Nicole, Carmi, Jessica, Kimberly, Melody. You telling me? Ashley, Nicole, Carmi, Jessica, Kimberly, Melody. You telling me? That's the only way I know when Snoop Dogg raps it. Oh, That's- right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but like, did you know them like we know Backstreet Boys? Like No, I just could pick up Melody because she feuded with Nicole. I yeah. could pick up Carmi because she was the token redhead in the group. But that's it. It was a very big girl group and they put the focus on one. And so it really was hard to like become fans of other girls in the group because they were really kind of kept to the back. So let's get into a little background on PCD. The girls. So in 2004, choreographer Robin Anton had struck a joint venture with Interscope Records to develop the Pussycat Dolls, a burlesque cabaret act that was performing in various venues in Hollywood. And she wanted to make this into a brand, not just the cabaret show that we saw Kim Kardashian performing and Jessica Simpson performing on their reality shows. Like everybody got like a cameo performance with the Pussycat Dolls. But they wanted to make it into more than that. So in working with then chairman of Interscope Records, Jimmy Iovine, Robin formed this separate group consisting of six members. And I rely on Snoop Dogg for this every time. Ashley, Nicole, Carmi, Jessica, Kimberly, Melody. You're telling me. So based on the burlesque dance review she had created, she then created this Supergirl group. And at the suggestion of Doug Morris, he was the chairman of Universal Music Group, Doncha, that song had just been given up by Tori Alamaz. He was like, why don't you give it to the Pussycat Dolls? Because they were really on this mission to reinvent what we knew as a girl group. And so they asked CeeLo to re-record the song with the Pussycat Dolls as the producer. And he was initially very skeptical about it. He said, quote, I didn't know too much about them. But when I found out that Interscope Records was involved, that was an alliance I didn't hesitate to make. So as soon as he heard the big guns were behind this girl group, he was like, all right, I'm all in. Fun fact, Doja was initially offered to both the Sugar Babes and Paris Hilton before Pussycat Dolls, and they both declined. Paris has since expressed regret about that. I give her credit. And I love when someone can admit that they may have been wrong or blew it. Wow. Very interesting. So the song came out to fairly mixed reviews. Critics kind of negatively distinguished this song from other girl group anthems like Wannabe. Independent Woman. And no scrubs. As those songs very prominently promote female camaraderie. 
And this song definitely does the opposite. You know, Mary, being, break up with your girlfriend. Yes. And I, I mean, I totally hear that message and I just try not to take it too serious because I love this song and it's so much fun. Yeah, I didn't see it that way either. I thought it was just like a fun, sexy song that you'd grind to at a middle school dance. Right. And like have your braces on and feel like you were so hot, you know? Like, <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so Don't You debuted at number 95 on the Billboard Hot 100 in May 2005. The track eventually peaked and reached number two in its 16th week on the chart. This was PCD's highest charting single, so they've never had a number one hit. The song stayed at number two for three consecutive weeks and was certified platinum in the United States. BH1 ranked Doncha as number 96 on their list of the 100 greatest songs of the 2000s. And Billboard magazine ranked Doncha as number 30 on their list of the 100 greatest girl group songs of all time. I would love to know what else is on that list. But based on the chart performance on the Billboard Hot 100, Doncha is the 29th most successful song by a girl group. So that's wow. pretty notable. But what really sold me on PCD was their ability to dance and their choreography. I love some choreography. I was hooked. They did their own version of like a chair dance in Buttons. I'm sure it owed to Backstreet Boys. I'm kidding. But, you know, we just see um, or Brittany stronger. Or Brittany just like seeing them do these like choreographed dance routines really put me in a happy place. You know, it's one thing to see one person do choreography, but I just love seeing a big group of everybody be in sync with choreography. It's just something so satisfying for me. Totally. I uh, love watching those TikToks of like uh, cheer competitions. Yes. I'm like, I'm oh my God, how do they do this? So the music video for this song, they're in these open top Jeeps. They're driving around singing, doing choreography. But the music video is also credited as the origin of a dance move called the slut drop. I had never heard of a slut drop. I Googled it. I had trouble kind of getting video. I wonder if it's kind of like dropping it low. You know, I don't really know. Let me know if you have ever done a slut drop. Let us know on our know. DMs. Yeah. Is it just like when you like put one arm up and drop and then lift it up? People, let us know. What is a slut drop? <laughs> also in this video, we get Nicole wearing a hoodie that has the song's lyrics across the top of the hoodie. So like, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me was on the top of her hood and she would pull it up over her head. She did the same for buttons. That was kind of a staple of some of their videos and Robin Antum and CeeLo himself make cameo appearances towards the end of the music video. And just to wrap it up, there is a really dark underbelly of the Pussycat Dolls and everything that's kind of gone on with them. There are allegations of abuse and Jesse Shambles of Jesse's Girl has a really good episode if you really want to kind of get into the dark side of the Pussycat Dolls. I just didn't want it to be that we weren't acknowledging it. We know that it's there. Just not going there today. <laughs> so this song for me, I literally listened to it on the treadmill today. So what does that tell you? It's timeless. <laughs> it may have hit the top 100 of 2005, but it's in our hearts forever. Truly not going anywhere. And I'm going to take number eight as well. Number eight on the Billboard charts for 2005 was Candy Shop by 50 Cent. I take you to the candy shop. I let you lick the lollipop. 
This is the second single off of 50 Cent's second album, The Massacre. It features Olivia, who was a member of G-Unit, and was written by 50 Cent and the song's producer, Scott Storch. I will die on this hill. Scott Storch was everywhere in the 2000s. Kelsey, were you into 50 Cent? Were you into rap at this time at all? Like, where did you fall? I was still very much like a pop girly, but... I mean, you couldn't escape this song. It was yeah. everywhere. I knew every word, of course. And again, Amazing. it was at every middle school dance. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can still rap the entire second verse. Like, you can have it your way. How do you want it? You can back that thing up or should I push up on it? You can have it your way. How do you want it? You gonna back that thing up or should I push up on it? Temperatures Whoa. rising. Okay, like I can rap this song. Not well, but I can. Definitely was into 50 Cent back in the day. Um, Candy Shop peaked at number one on the charts. So Candy Shop went number one, but oops, I didn't again. And I want it that way, didn't. I don't know how I feel about that, but this was 50 Cent's third number one single and fifth top 10 single on the chart. It went five times platinum. So at the 2006 Grammy Awards, Candy Shop was nominated for Best Rap Song and lost to Gold Digger. The music video is basically a G-Unit high school reunion, but make it sexy and slutty um, <laughs> in like a mansion. But when writing the song, 50 Cent stated, quote, I attempted to be as sexual as possible from a male oh. perspective without being vulgar or obscene. I'll let you lick the lollipop. (sighs) I mean, I think he definitely achieved that and probably crossed over that vulgar line just a little bit. It was definitely a lot of bleep outs on the radio. That's our change lyrics. Yes. No, there were so many bleeps. And at one point I was like, why even play it? I know. I don't. Or they change the lyrics and they make it like really weird. It's like Like, kids pop version. Yeah. And both suck. And so it's like, well. I wonder, I bet there's a candy shop version on kids pop. Like they will take the most insane songs and turn them into kids pop songs. Sometimes I'm really shocked by the songs that they choose to turn into kids bop bops. (laughs) They are questionable to say the least, but. That is number eight on the charts, Kelsey. Okay, number seven, we are totally pivoting into a new direction. Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. So this is from Green Day's seventh studio album, American Idiot, which came out in 2004. I went through a really big Green Day phase. (laughs) Backstreet Boys, straight to Green Day. Like, don't pass go. Well, technically, (laughs) Good Charlotte was like my gateway drug into Green Day. But very deep Green Day phase in the year 2004. I listened to this album so much. My dad called me once and he was like, I'm worried about your brother. And I was like, oh my God, like, what is my seven-year-old brother doing that would make my parents concerned? And my dad was like his favorite song is about walking alone. Like, is he okay? Does he have friends? And I was like, oh my God, he's talking about Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Like, it's just because I am listening to that song all the time. He knows all the words. (laughs) And I was like, dad, it's a Green Day song. He's fine. In fact, he's cool because he knows all the words. Were you a fan of Green Day, Mary? Yes. I used to like to watch the Wake Me Up When September Ends music video and cry. (laughs) 
I like enjoyed getting emotional to it. This whole album is a real trip yeah. of emotion. So the American Idiot follows this narrative. It's really told like a story. And the main character of the story is this Jesus of Suburbia character. Oh God, I love this whole album. It's so good. So most of the songs are like an answer to the one that's preceding it, right? Continuing the story. So the song before Boulevard of Broken Dreams is Holiday. That's a great song. Uh, amazing. So Boulevard of Broken Dreams was written by Billy Joe Armstrong as like the hangover after the party <laughs> that is holiday. So that's why it's pretty melancholy. It's sad. Billy Joe went to New York City by himself to get some inspiration for the album. So this song was really born out of him physically being alone and just wandering mm. the streets of New York City. He literally walked alone. <laughs> So the music videos for Holiday and Boulevard of Broken Dreams also follow this continuous narrative. They have the same storyline and Boulevard of Broken Dreams picks up where Holiday left off in the year 2005, not knowing much about music or the world in general. I was like, wow, that's so poetic. Like, <laughs> they are so artists. <laughs> like, I thought that was so deep. <laughs> Anyways, this was Green Day's most successful song in the United States. And I am just so shocked by that because, first of all, this is their seventh album. They were well-established by this point. And hello, good riddance. I hope you have the time yeah. of your life. It's something unpredictable, and in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. Was that not in every year-end slideshow ever? Like every camp I ever went to, everybody would like sob scream that song in like the last day. It just shows how difficult it is to get that number one spot, truly. That's a good way of putting it. Justice for Backstreet Boys. <laughs> so this song nabbed the top spot on Rolling Stone's Reader's Choice Singles of the Decade list wow. in 2009. And it was ranked number 65 on the 100 Best Songs of the Decade list. And as of 2021... Boulevard of Broken Dreams is the only song to win both the Grammy Award for Record of the Year and MTV VMA for Video wow. of the Year. So it spent a ton of time like within the top charts, mainstream rock charts, 14 weeks, modern rock tracks chart, 16 weeks, the adult top 40 chart, 11 weeks, and it spent four weeks at number one on the mainstream top 40. This was the first song to top all four of these charts together. So this song really just far and away superseded anything that they had done before. But what is a hit without drama? Does this song sound to you, Mary, like any other song that you've heard? <sighs> Probably. <laughs> See, it's not a trick question because it doesn't to me. Maybe though, like Wonderwall by Oasis. I don't oh. think so, but Noel Gallagher of Oasis criticized Green Day. He said in 2016, quote, they should have the decency to wait until I am dead before oh. stealing my songs. I at least pay the people I steal from that courtesy. End quote. Um, whoa. He's trying to say that they are like ripping off Boulevard of Broken Dreams from Wonderwall because they use the same like chord progression. I don't hear it, but maybe I don't have a sophisticated enough ear. 
I hear similarities now that you mention it, but like, I'm just so interested in the legal aspect of like what constitute, because obviously there's going to be similar melodies. There are going to be similar chord progressions. There's going to be similar song titles and tenors of song. Like, I just would love to know like what constitutes like actually stealing someone else's idea. Like there's only so many notes. Right. There's going to be a ton of like similar progressions. It's so interesting. I truly believe that two people can come up with a very similar idea and not have known that the other one was in development. I think a lot of it comes down to coincidence. I get that Oasis was sort of like the British version of Green Day. I don't know. I see them as like similar groups, but I do not see those songs as similar. I understand. I can see both sides very slightly. You're such a lawyer. I love it. (laughs) So that was number seven. Moving on into number six. So number six is Gold Digger by Kanye West. We have to preface this by saying we are not Kanye fans. We do not support his atrocious behavior, but we're retelling history here. So we'll breeze through this one because this song did pack a huge punch in the year 2005. It sure did. And, you know, it's a really catchy song. In July 2005, Gold Digger was released by Kanye West. It features Jamie Foxx, and it's from Kanye's second studio album, Late Registration. Kanye created the beat, and him and John Bryan produced the song together. He started working with John Bryan after he discovered him working with Fiona Apple. And he really liked what he did with Fiona Apple and kind of brought John Bryan over into the rap world. And this song, Gold Digger, was originally set to be recorded for Shauna's debut studio album, Worth the Wait. But the song actually was passed back to Kanye. But until that point, the song was actually written from a female's point of view. So I guess the quote unquote Gold Digger's point of view. Gold Digger samples Ray Charles's I Got a Woman from 1954. Legend has it after Kanye watched Ray with his friend at the time, John Mayer, He thought, what? Yes. (laughs) He thought of the idea to have Jamie Foxx sing an interpolation of Charles's I Got a Woman in place of the song's initial sample, which actually used Ray Charles's voice in case Charles's team didn't approve his usage of it. But Ray Charles and his people did approve it, but he already had recorded the Jamie Foxx part. And so he used a mix of both of them. Gold Digger was Kanye's first number one hit. It was certified eight times platinum, eight times platinum, and was number one on the Billboard chart for 10 consecutive weeks. To say that this song was huge is an understatement. At the 48th Annual Grammy Awards, the song won Best Rap Solo Performance and also was nominated for Record of the Year, losing to the Dixie Chicks, Not Ready to Make Nice. In 2018, Rolling Stone named Gold Digger the 36th greatest song of the 21st century. Damn. Damn. So we breezed through, we touched on it, and now we are moving on to number five. And that is a certified bop by The Sierra featuring the Missy Elliott, One Two Step. Take the party up. 
two step. I love it one two step. This was written alongside producer Jazzy Faye. It came out in November of 2004 as the second single of Sierra's debut studio album, Goodies. My goodies, my goodies, my goodies, not my goodies. My goodies, my goodies. She was really popping off, I feel like, in this era. Step She's went- still popping off. I know. I love, her. I love her, but this L, I loved the album Goodies. Um, I know. Goodies really was like a cultural reset, I feel like. It was. And One Two Step, the second single, went three times platinum in the United States. It peaked at number two on the Hot 100 and stayed there for seven weeks. One Two Step was ranked number 59 on Billboard's Top 100 Songs of the 2000s. One Two Step was nominated for a 2006 Grammy Award for Best Rap Song Collaboration. And that one lost to Numb Encore by Jay-Z and Linkin Park. I actually really like that song, too. <laughs> I've, I don't know. It comes so <laughs> Can I get an encore? Oh, that's like both sides of my personality, like fighting to understand. It's like the emo, angry side. Yes. And the, I love it when you want to step. I just love the princess is here. The princess is here. It's like the legendary oh, yeah. Miss Britney Spears. The legendary Miss Britney Spears. Like an intro. I love when the producers like come up with something like that. I feel like this song really... You know, she came out of the gates with goodies. And then I feel like this song really certified Sierra as a superstar, proving that she was not a one-hit wonder. She could come out with bop after bop. Definitely like a middle school dance anthem. <laughs> did you like this one? Oh, of course. And I like didn't know how to one-two step. I have two <laughs> left feet. I have one-two left feet, but oh, it's so good. And she was so beautiful. She is so beautiful. And she's yes. pregnant again right now, isn't and she? She just gave birth, I believe. Oh, I love her and Russell so much. But okay, that's number five. We're halfway through. What is number four, Kels? Okay, I'm back with another Kelly Bop. Since you've been gone. But since you've been gone, I can't breathe for the first time. I'm Okay, does anybody else just think of that Laguna Beach episode when they play this in the limo season two when Kristen is the narrator? Of course. Of course. Oh my God, it's so good. So this is the music video that made me want to be Kelly Clarkson so bad. So I loved the first season of American Idol. Obsessed from Justin to Kelly was like my favorite movie for like a three-month period. I had her first album, Thankful. And on the Thankful album, it's her wearing a sweater she looks so cute. She has those yes. super thick, chunky highlights. Yes. She's like laying oh. down or something. She's laying down. She's like yeah. covering her face a little. Like so adorable. So cute. Yep. Well, when this song came out, I was like, oh my God, punk rock Kelly. Yes. <laughs> this was the lead single from Breakaway, her second studio album. And Breakaway, she sure did from her post-American Idol image. Okay, we'll talk about her look in a little bit, mm-hmm. but first we need to talk about the writing of this song. So this was written and produced again by Max Martin and Dr. Luke. Again, love Max. Don't love Dr. Luke. So get this. Max wrote this song with pink in mind, but she turned it down. 
First like, of all, who turns down a Max Martin song? Second of all, I can totally see Pink singing this. Oh, though. yeah. Oh, 100%. I know she's already got on Kelly, but I think it would be so fun if they did like a duet of this or if I would love to hear oh, her do totally. her version, like whatever. Right. Anyways, after Pink says no, this song got rejected for a second time by Hillary Duff. Her team turned it down because she could not reach those really high yeah. notes. I guess they weren't going to try to fake it like they did in the Raise Your Voice movie. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. That part? La, 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 la. <laughs> I can't do it because my voice is so gone. But And then when she's like, hey, ooh. La, 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 And like, you just know it's not her. It isn't her. We have confirmation that it's like her sister and somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So her team was like, sorry, Hillary can't. So the song was (laughs) finally given to Kelly after Clive Davis convinced Max and Dr. Luke to give it to her. So Clive said that Max was looking to, quote, move on from what he had done with Backstreet Boys. Uh, side note, ahem, <clears throat> why? But he was just trying to do more like rock stuff. Max is a rock boy. That's right. his roots. His roots. So Clive goes on to say, I spent some time convincing them that an American Idol winner could bring all the feeling and passion that was required to the song. Well, Kelly did more than that. She put her own spin on it. She's the one who decided to add some of those heavier guitars and the drums after noticing that the demo had more of like a pop sound. So Kelly helped really make this into like the pop rock song that it is so one thing about this song everybody fucking loves it so rolling stone ranked it at number 482 of the 500 greatest songs of all time that was in 2010 but then they revamped this ranking in 2001 and they bumped it way the fuck up to spot 93 way Ooh. more appropes imo yes. Even more probes, Billboard ranked as the fifth greatest pop song of all time. Wow. So Kelly won a Grammy for this song. She won Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. So deserved. And remember when she performed this song at the 2005 VMAs? I think we've talked about it in a previous episode and like our VMAs episode, but she made it like rain on her on stage and it was just so badass. She was like out in the crowd, like singing her heart out in the pouring rain. Like, Mm. oh, I would have given anything to be in the audience for that. She won the MTV VMA for Best Female Video and Best Pop Video. Let's talk about her music video. So this was her smoky eye era. And I just cannot stress enough how much I loved her new, new to us look. Mm. She had these layered, messy waves. Her hair was darker. She didn't have like those chunky highlights anymore. Mm -hmm. She was wearing Converse. She was wearing like these capri, like cargo black pants. (laughs) She was wearing like black fingerless glove on one hand. Like, you know, those (laughs) things that people would wear at like Hot Topic and stuff. Oh, yeah. She just had a totally different image, a darker image, a more punk rock image. And I just thought it suited her so I thought she looked so stunning in this music video. It just seemed like it was her. It just seemed authentic to me. Right. Like, And I don't think that she was trying to be anyone else during 
you know, her American Idol days. Like, I just think she evolved and got a little bit Mm -hmm. more of an edge to her. And she was comfortable expressing that. The legacy of this song just continues aside from just going further and further up on these best pop song charts by all these news outlets. This song was credited by one billboard reporter as helping to prime the pop world for tracks like who knew pink. Obviously, I sense so many similarities to Mm. those songs, but they also say Paramore's Misery Business. Where would we be without that song? Whoa, I never meant to brag. That's my favorite karaoke song to sing. Oh, that would be devastating for me to do on karaoke. <laughs> but it also like got us as fans ready for her song, My Life Would Suck Without You, which I, oh. I see as sort of like a junior version of this song. Yeah, I, I really like when I came out, I was like into that song. Oh, yeah. Who was it? I really feel like this set herself up for her next chapter in like the best possible way. And it also influenced the rest of the industry. So the song's legacy continues. In 2014, Atlantic Magazine dubbed it the best pop song of the past decade. And in 2017, it appeared on number two of Billboard's 100 Greatest Choruses of the 21st century. I like that list. Pretty exciting, right? Mm. And Billboard also ranked it like halfway, 342, on its 600 most massive smashes over the chart's six decades. Wow. That's pretty impressive. I mean, 60 years of music and this made such a splash. It really did. And I just was thinking about it once again, a Max Martin song. There is a pivotal key change in that final chorus. I'm finding a new signature. I love it. Did you ever watch the music video, Mary? Yes. She like destroys her boyfriend's apartment and like snips the girl's clothes. Iconic. I always wanted to ruin someone's apartment after that. (laughs) I really wanted to do the Carrie Underwood like baseball bat thing. Wait, what is that? I dug my my keys into the side. Yes. Just kidding. But uh, great reminder, great song, great music video, just 10 out of 10, Chef's Kiss. Moving on to number three, an iconic love song of our era, of our youth, and that is Let Me Love You by Mario. You should let me love you, let me be the one to give you everything you want and need. Should let me love you. So this bop from Mario was released in October of 2004 from his second studio album, Turning Point. The song was actually written by the one and only Neo and Scott Storch, and it was also produced by Scott Storch. So again, I've always said this man is everywhere. Neo's had some regrets when it comes to this song. He started off as a writer and transitioned into a writer, dancer, singer, you know, a man of all hats, and 
this is one of the songs he regretted giving away. And I completely understand because I definitely could hear Neo singing this song. Let Me Love You was certified gold and went on to hold the number one spot on the Billboard chart for nine consecutive weeks. And as of this year, it's still Mario's biggest single. No surprise there. Billboard also considered this song the eighth most successful single of the decade. So like the 2000 to 2010 decade, which is crazy. The song actually earned Mario a Grammy Award nomination in 2006, but he lost to John Legend's Ordinary People. Kelsey, were you a fan of this song? I love this song, but I remember just like hearing it on the bus all the time. (laughs) This was that song where I was like, I know it's be played every other song. Every time I go to the grocery store, every time I'm in the car with my parents, like it's gonna be on. It's a great song, but I think I could go the rest of my life without hearing it again and still know like every word. I think Mario has a beautiful voice. It's kind of sad. I feel like he's kind of fizzled out. Like I haven't I know. Heard- Where is he? Okay. Well, believe it or not, Mario's still been around. We've just been under a rock. In 2018, he released his fifth studio album, Dancing Shadows. And it appears he released an EP titled Closer to Mars in October of 2020. So we need to check that out, Stat. I miss Mario. I yep. wish he was coming to Cancun. Yeah, I do love Jason Derulo, though. I'm not gonna lie. I can't fucking wait to hear him play trumpets. And the trumpets, they go. <laughs> and the trumpets, they go. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, Kelsey, number two. You've got a big one at number two. Uh-huh, this my shit. All the girls stomp your feet like this. Uh-huh, this my shit. All the girls stomp your feet like this. Few times you've been around that track, so it's Obviously, it's Hollaback Girl. And is it just me or was this song a cultural reset for us all? Truly. Life-changing. Life-changing. You know where you were the first time you heard B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I was in art class and I had a cool teacher who let us listen to the radio while we Ooh. did our art. And I heard this song. I literally dropped my paintbrush. I remember exactly. I was drawing a palm tree and I dropped my paintbrush and I went, did she just say the shit is bananas? <laughs> I know. And then remember like also Laguna Beach shout out that Alex M being like B-A-N-A-N-A-S. And that one Alex episode. M underrated queen. Underrated queen indeed. So this was a cultural reset for us, and it was also certainly one for Gwen because she was in No Doubt for almost 20 years before she ventured out on her own. She was 35 years old when she went solo, and I really love and appreciate Gwen's story because it just shows the power of reinvention. And I think she's just one of those super resilient artists. Like now she's on The Voice. Like what will her next act? be like we don't know but we can't wait to find out and i just really love when someone keeps you guessing like that holla back girl is the third single from her debut solo studio album love angel music baby or lamb we all Mm -hmm. know her clothing line was named lamb and this followed the album's first single which was what you waiting for Uh, so good. And the second single was Rich Girl. Was a 
na 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 That was Kara. Cara Diaguardi, yeah, mm-hmm. sure was. Shout out to our Cara Diaguardi episode. If you don't know what to do with yourself today because it's the new year and you don't want to start your resolution and you want to binge our episodes, you should start there. Mm-hmm. So this song was written by Gwen, Pharrell Williams, and Chad Hugo. Pharrell and Chad make up the Neptunes and they did the production for this song. This was a huge hit for Gwen. It got so many award nominations. She was nominated for two Grammys, Best Female Pop Vocal Performance and Record of the Year. She didn't win, but I think she won the long game here, which is that you could not go anywhere without hearing this song. And I think that's what made it so divisive. Critics could not agree with one another if it was the best song or if it was the most annoying song they've ever heard. In fact, Maxim Magazine named it just that, the most annoying song ever. Harsh. Well, as Beyonce once said, you know you that bitch when you cause all that conversation. You know you that bitch when you cause all this conversation. And Gwen was that bitch in 2005 because this song topped the Billboard Hot 100 for four weeks, went five times platinum, and reached number one in multiple countries. I could not believe this, but this was Gwen's first and only number one. It's a tough spot to nab. I'm just like shocked, but it did end the nine-week run of 50 Cent's Candy Shop. Sorry, Candy Shop. (laughs) You got booted. The girlies wanted to spell bananas. (laughs) So this song also held the record for the most U.S. radio plays in one week, and it maintained this record for over a year, right before Shakira and Hips Don't Lie came out. So this was a harbinger of what's to come for the music industry too, because it was the first single to sell more digital downloads than CDs. This was the turning of the tide. When it started to change. Yeah. 2005 was the year where iTunes was the main way that people were getting their music. I just thought that was so interesting. It is. So whenever I think of the song, I obviously think of the music video, the Harajuku girls, they're spelling out B-A-N-A-N-A-S. There's marching bands and cheerleaders. It's so colorful and joyful. And this video reached the top of the TRL charts, no surprise. And it was retired at number four, becoming Gwen's first video to retire as a solo artist. VH1 listed the video at number five on its top 40 videos of 2005 And this got four nominations at the 2005 MTV VMAs, and it won for Best Choreography. Any other thoughts before you tell me who won number one? I just, I love the Neptunes. You know, they worked with Britney on Slave. And boys. You can just hear that signature kind of like funky sound of the Neptunes on Hollow Batgirl. It's really cool and creative. But all right, drum roll, please. Number one, <sighs> a queen, a queen indeed. And that is Mariah Carey's We Belong Together from her 10th studio album, The Emancipation of Mimi. Oh 
oh my God, I freaking love this album. It has such a strong track list and it just deserves so much recognition. Did you listen to this album, Kels? That's how I learned what emancipation meant. <laughs> oh my God. And then I was like, because she's Mariah Carey, she's MC. And so I'm Mary Caroline. And I was like, oh, I'm MC too. And then I was like, maybe I could get my mom and my friends to call me Mimi because like oh. that could be my nickname too. It didn't land, obviously. That's so cute. But oh, I just loved her and it so much. The song came out in March of 2005. It was the second single from Emancipation of Mimi, We Belong Together, was written by Mariah Carey herself and Jermaine Dupree. The song interpolates lyrics from Bobby Womack's If You Think You're Lonely Now. If you think you're lonely now. You know what I'm talking about. Also. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yes. But this song came out at a pivotal time. It was following a relatively, I guess, unsuccessful period for Queen MC between the years of 2001 and 2004. She had the movie Glitter and the album Charm Bracelet, and they just did not do well. The critics were critiquing. She got a lot of crap for those. I just remember people would write, like, oh, it's Glitter. Yeah. Like, that's a very Gili mo. I don't know. It just had this really bad connotation. Yeah, it felt really bad for her. I know. But after all that crap, We Belong Together was dubbed Mariah's musical comeback as like at that time, many people were like, she's done. It's over. Like Mariah's done. And she was not. She was not. So how did this song come into being? Basically, Mariah had written, finished, put together the majority of the tracks for The Emancipation of Mimi. But L.A. Reid suggested she crank out a few more just to ensure that this album slapped, you know, better safe than sorry, have a few more than not enough. And so Mariah believed she had worked very well with Jermaine Dupree in the past. I concur. And so she went to work with him in Atlanta and the results were we belong together. And it's like that. Me and my girls So those two songs weren't going to be on The Emancipation of Mimi if L.A. Reid hadn't put his foot down and been like, why don't you go crank out a few more? Those are two freaking bops. I can't imagine the album without those. And Mariah has said in interviews that she knew right away that We Belong Together was a special song. Even just after writing the track, she said she had chills. And I get it because I get chills when I listen to the song. So I wasn't like a huge Mariah girly, but I think this song made everyone a Mariah girly, you know? Like it's just a beautiful, like heart-wrenching gut punch. You can really Her range. Uh, the the final chorus when the key change. Good luck to anyone trying to sing this at karaoke. Just like, don't, don't even, even try. <laughs> yes. So We Belong Together broke chart records in the United States and became Mariah's 16th number one on the Billboard Hot 100. After staying at number one for 14 non-consecutive weeks, We Belong Together joined four other songs in a tie as the third longest running number one song in U.S. chart history behind Mariah's own 1995 collaboration with Boys to Men titled One Sweet Day. Together. Together. One sweet day. 
That's one of my favorite songs ever. Oh, so you're not a Mariah girly, but you know One Sweet Day. That's true. I guess I was like, I was late to the Mariah party. I'm like, because I didn't listen to like the old Mariah, you know, like we, I was right. too young. And so I'm like revisiting a lot of her older work and so trying to become a better fan. She has a great discography. I feel like We Belong Together was the first time that I, aside from All I Want for Christmas is You. And I would hear fantasy, fantasy yeah. in some like movies, like from the 90s that I love. Oh, like what? Rush Hour? I never saw Rush Hour. What did you hear fantasy in? Like all the 90s rom-com, like American Pie. And oh, was stuff. it in that? Like, How to Lose a Guy. It was just those were the kind, they're definitely bumping it in a car and like she's all that or something. Ugh. But the song went six times platinum. Billboard listed it as the song of the decade and the 15th most popular song of all time. All time. So this makes Mariah the first artist to have more than one song be the most popular of a decade, as One Sweet Day was deemed the most popular song by Billboard of the 90s. And during the week of September 25th, 2005, Mariah set another record, becoming the first female to occupy the first two spots atop the Hot 100, as We Belong Together remained number one, and her next single, another incredible song, Shake It Off, held the number two spot. Damn. I know, girl power. She was truly running shit in, back in this era. She was. <laughs> Don't call it a she comeback. She still is. She still is. As she just did a successful Christmas tour. She's going back into hibernating until December 1st, <sighs> 2024. Maybe she'll come to me next time. But Mariah was nominated for eight Grammys this year and took home three. We Belong Together won two awards itself for Best R&B Song and Best Female R&B Vocal Performance. It was also nominated for Song of the Year, but lost to Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own by U2. Sometimes you can't make it on your own. I feel like U2 is always knocking my favorites out, but... I don't even know the... Do you know that song? No. No. I feel like I could, if some, like, gun to my head, I could figure it out. But, like, what the hell, U2? You illegally made Apple download your song onto all of our Ugh, devices. Invasive. Like, you don't deserve any Grammys. No. So, as Kelsey kind of mentioned, but I would like to reiterate, we really hear Mariah's vocal range in this song... And what's very unique about We Belong Together is that it does not have a bridge. So this is obviously not a Max Martin song because where would we be without the pre-chorus bridge? But instead, in We Belong Together, Mariah transitions into the third section or the third chorus by raising the pitch an octave. I'm dying. This is like my favorite, which emphasizes the frustration and desperation she's feeling in the song. And she definitely portrays the emotion and kind of devastating element of this song. 
That final chorus is definitely kind of a funny thing in the fandom because typically she doesn't perform it live anymore, but every now and then we'll see some clips where her like backing track doesn't work and she's like live on the Today Show or something. There's one, it's incredible. And you can tell she looks off to the side and she has an angry face on and she just guts her way through the final chorus because the track didn't play and just does it perfectly, nails it. It's not even a reach or a struggle or anything. But it's just hilarious, like those Beyonce memes when they're like, somebody's getting fired. Like somebody's getting fired literally every time it's just like oh my god someone didn't put Mariah's track on right like who is getting fired after this but it's incredible and I love when she's forced to perform it for us but the song's music video was also amazing and it was filmed as a two-part story with it's like that again another freaking bop it's like that featured Mariah at her bachelorette party and so the video for we belong together is a continuation focusing on Mariah's wedding to a powerful older man and ending with her eloping with her younger ex-lover who was played by Wentworth Miller of Prison Break. My God, he was so hot in this, but rumors swirled around this video and paralleled it to her 1993 marriage to Sony Music CEO, the man we've mentioned a lot recently, Tommy Matola, because Mariah was so young when she married Tommy, blah, 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 blah. But this music video had me by the throat. Mariah <laughs> looked incredible in her Vera Wang dress, and she actually, to fuel the fire, wore that exact dress when she married. Tommy Matola IRL. So, wow. you know, you take what you want to from that, but very interesting. Dang. Okay. So, what did you think of the top 10, Kels? Was it what you expected? <laughs> yes. And I love that it was such a mix. You know, we got some Green Day, Kelly. It was interesting that Kelly was on there twice. She was the only one that gave us a repeat. I feel like she was really popping that year. So, it yeah, makes sense. Yeah, 2005 belonged to Kelly and Mariah, our queen. So, oh, I thought this God. was a great representation. What did you think? I loved it. It actually inspired me to go back to The Emancipation of Mimi. I love that album. Going through these songs really brings me back to that time. And it's super nostalgic. I love it. And I, I agree. I mean, we talked about 50 Cent tonight. Like, when do we ever do that? You know? Talk about I talk it. about 50 Cent all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yes. thank you all for listening. We're so happy to be back. Start a new year with you guys. Thanks for listening. And a new season, season two, episode one, and our year anniversary of the podcast. This is our second year. Wow, that's bananas. That is freaking bananas. <laughs> I can't believe it's been a year. I know. Happy anniversary to us. Oh my God. Happy Annie. I know. <laughs> we need to do something special. We're going on a trip to Cancun. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you and have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye.